As we begin this morning, um, I want us to just think towards 2019. I, I know as 2018 is coming to a close, you're probably doing some looking back at this year, and hopefully you're, you're focusing on some bright spots, some things that God has done, and you're looking back and able to be thankful for all that God has done. And also, probably you're looking toward to 2019. I don't know if you guys are, are um, resolution makers. Um, I like to do that, but I like to kind of cull it down to about three things, maybe five things. I write them down. I focus in on those things, and then I actually try to set some, some, um, some steps of how to, uh, how to accomplish those goals. If, if that's you, you know, maybe, maybe that's something you want to try to do. But I want to ask you, can you imagine... What God might have in store for you in 2019. Can you imagine what the Lord might want to do in this next year with you? What would 2019 look like if you were totally surrendered to God every day? What would it look like if your alarm went off in the morning and you rolled out of bed onto your knees and just said, Lord, today is yours. I've got some things I want to accomplish some things I feel like you've given me to do, but today I'm giving my day, my thoughts, every moment I'm giving it to you. It's all yours. I wonder what your year would look like if you were living that way, completely undistracted, daily studying and memorizing the word of God, weekly sharing the gospel with your friends and coworkers, just living life in close communion with, with other believers and... <clears throat> Giving yourself to all that God has for you. Can you just imagine what your life would look like in 2019? At the end, this time next year, at the end of 2019, the difference it would make in your life if you lived that surrendered to his will. And I want to challenge you, that's not out of reach. Like you can live that way. I feel like, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you ever feel this way, but sometimes when I roll out of bed and I don't start my day determined to live for Jesus, my day sort of begins rolling before I'm ready for it. And I feel like I'm running from the ball <laughs> rather than pushing it. Rather than pushing through my day and, and driving my life, I feel like I'm being driven. And, and sometimes it's a bit aimless. There's a lot of movement happening, but it's like, kind of like dead leaves being blown around in the yard. It's not a lot of direction. It's kind of aimless motion. And what I want to say to us is that's not what God has for you. He doesn't have aimless motion for you. He's got a plan and he's got a direction. And he's got sort of, a, if you could imagine with me, like a bullseye that he wants you to start your day by pulling back the, the arrow of your life and saying, okay, I'm a shooting for that target. No one takes their bow and arrow and, and goes out and just kind of shoots it. Like you always shoot with a, with a target. You're always aiming at something. And I want us to think about what it is that you're aiming for. So this week, maybe today, you have the opportunity to kind of zero in your life. To set your sights, if it were, on God-centered goals. And to strive to see God being about changing you in the way that He desires to. So what does God want for you? Do you know? This is the journey that I want us to begin together in 2019 as we begin with a season of prayer and fasting. 
And I know when I say fasting, probably a lot of us are like, never done that. Don't know if I'm interested. I really like food, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I'm a foodie. I like food. I, I love good food, especially. Um, so fasting, why, why do that? And that's what I want to help you see today and next week. I'm going to spend some time just teaching on why we would fast together and why it's worth it. And I hope that you'll be willing to take that journey with me for 21 days. And I know it sounds like a long time, but there's different ways to fast. So if you've never fasted before, I want to encourage you to maybe choose a, choose a route that um, will be a good introductory route for you. But I do want to push you into taking some bold steps. So if you want to hear Jesus and you want to hear his voice and you want to take bold steps of faith, sometimes you've got to block out the noise in order to hear from him clearly. And that's what fasting is all about. It's all about disconnecting from the world in order to connect with God. We're going to talk about that at length today. So I want to encourage you to take your Bibles and uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, I'll set this up for you and then we'll stand together um, and walk through this passage together. Uh, in Matthew 17, we have, a, we have a pretty amazing thing that happens. Jesus takes a couple of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. They go up on the mountain. And up on the mountain, we have something called um, the transfiguration. So this is where Jesus finally reveals to these three men, Peter, James, and John, he reveals to them who he really is. Like he lights up in, in white glow and he's got on a white robe and beside him is Moses, this, this figure, Moses, the, the man in the Old Testament who's responsible for Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Num he's responsible for the Torah, the, the far, first five books of the law. Moses wrote them all. He was the prophet and priest for a long season with the people of God. So here's Jesus on the mountain and appears Moses next to him. And then on this side is Elijah. We've got the law in Moses and now we've got Elijah who's the prophet, the, the big character of the prophet of old. He's the one who's constantly saying, thus says the Lord. Here's what God wants to say to his people. Here's what God is saying. Listen to your God. So you got Jesus in the middle, you got Moses, and you have Elijah. And this miraculous thing is happening, and Peter and James and John are like, wow, this is amazing. We should just build tents to each of you guys and, and have some worship right here. This is an incredible moment. And Jesus is kind of like, all right, calm down. just want you to see who I really am. And they have this moment there on the mountain. And then Jesus, Peter, James, and John walk back into, into the crowd, and that's where we're going to pick up the story, okay? So stand with me, if you will. In Matthew chapter 17, we stand to honor God's Word. Um, of all the things we'll do today and say today, this is most important. This is the Word of the Lord, and so we stand in honor of it. So reading from Matthew 17 in verse 14, it says, And when they came to the crowd... A man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how am I to be with you? 
How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of him. And the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said to him, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Let's pause right here for a moment because I want to I show you something. Probably that was verse 20 that we just read, right? If you're looking at the scriptures, that's verse 20. What's the next verse? What number? Well, look in your Bibles. Anybody looking at it? What's the next number? 22, right? So there's verse 21 that's missing from most of our, our uh, newer translations. And it's the, the reason is because the oldest manuscripts didn't have verse 21 in Matthew's gospel. But verse 21 is in Mark's account in Mark chapter 9. And so I want us to see it here. If you look down probably in the bottom of your Bible, verse 21 will be written there. And here's what it says. Verse 21 says... But this kind never comes out except by what? Prayer. prayer and fasting. This kind never comes out except by prayer and fasting. We're going to focus our attention on these things today. Let's, let's pray. God, please teach us today. Show us the truth about how to pray and how to fast and why you call us to do that. Help us, Lord, to be obedient to you so that we can hear clearly from you and take bold steps of obedience for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Hopefully all of you received one of the handouts that I um, printed and, and cut up for you. Did anybody not get one of those? Uh, any, anybody not get a handout? Okay, I didn't get one. Is there an extra one somewhere? This will help me to make sure I walk through. I gave you some blanks to fill in. Hopefully some of you might like to, to do that. Um, so I'm going to just walk through this quickly today. I know our children are with us, so I'm going to be mindful of the time. Um, and thank you for, you know, these, these little ones. We, we love them. We cherish having them here. Next week we will have our child care back in place, so um, you can uh, be prepared for that as well. All right, so we're walking through and talking about prayer and fasting. This scripture tells us, Jesus says to his disciples, you know, they ask him, why, why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus says, because of your little faith. And then he follows it up with saying, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. So I just want to give you three big headlines from this text, some big, big truths. And then we're going to focus in on prayer and fasting together. So big truth number one. You can do nothing without Jesus. You can do nothing without Jesus. So here's what we've got. We've got a group of disciples who um, are, have been casting out demons. This is not something that's new to them. In fact, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is the one who said to them, I want you to go and do this. And so all along the way, they've been doing some miraculous things. And I wonder if maybe they got kind of used to doing supernatural things. They got sort of accustomed to doing it and they started kind of doing it on their own. Um, 
And I assume that probably they started thinking that these supernatural things, these miracles like casting out demons and healing people was not really all about Jesus. It was more about them, what they were able to do. And Jesus wanted to remind them in this moment, you can do nothing without me. And so in this moment, these disciples who've been successful all along the way, they've been casting out demons, they've been doing miracles. All of a sudden they can't do it and they're shocked. And they come to Jesus and they say, why couldn't we do it? And he's reminding them, you can do nothing without me. In John chapter 15, Jesus said it this way. Uh, he's talking about abide in me. If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. But he says in John 15, 5, he says, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. And that's the reality of this truth. And church, if, if, if we're going to move forward in 2019 and see God do supernatural things, we need to know we can do nothing without Jesus. Only in Jesus can we do all that he's called us to do. And here's the reality. He's calling us to do supernatural things. He's calling us to share a gospel that will supernaturally transform people. There's nothing in me that's powerful enough to bring a spiritually dead person to life. But the gospel is powerful enough, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he's calling us to supernatural work, which means he's calling us to a total dependency on him. Number one, you can do nothing without Jesus. Number two, Jesus has power to do whatever he wants. So just taking a very simple reality here, these disciples are failing. They've tried. I wonder how this story unfolds. You know, this man brings his son to the disciples and he's like, where's Jesus? And they're like, well, he's up on the mountain with Peter, James and John. And they're like, but well, we can handle this. We got this. What's your problem? And he's like, well, my son, he's got like having these epileptic seizures. He keeps throwing himself into the fire and into the water. I've had to rescue him from drowning a few times, man. I'm, I'm at my wits end. I don't know what to do here. And they're like, we got this. We got this. Um, demon, come out of that boy. And nothing happens. Okay. Try this again. Lay hands on him. Uh, come out. And nothing happens. Jesus walks into their failure. And he's frustrated a little bit because of their lack of faith. Did you hear the frustration in Jesus' voice? Listen to what he says in verse 17. Jesus answers, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. This is pretty sharp. It's, it's, a, it's kind of, I would say, a soft rebuke. Jesus is accusing his own disciples of faithlessness. They're, they're faithless... Not because they're not trying supernatural things. They are, but they're trying them in their own power. And then there are others around. If you read Mark's account and Luke's account, you find out there are scribes here who are actually accusing them and, and, and blaming them. And they're taking advantage of this opportunity of failure. And they're saying, see, we told you your Jesus is weak. We told you Jesus can't do it. And so they are also faithless. And then we've got this father who has tried everything he knows to try. And now he's saying to Jesus, he's like, I brought my son to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything. And when you read Mark's account in Mark 9, Jesus says, well, if you would believe. 
And he says, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Same story, same man. Faithless is their problem. Jesus wants to remind them and us today that He has the power to do whatever He wants. So He can step into this setting, this situation, and He can say, bring that boy to me. Because He's got the power to transform this boy's life. He demonstrates it over and over and over again. There is no limit to what Jesus can do. He regularly displays His power. He just came off a mountain where He's side by side with Moses and Elijah. Okay, we're we're talking about God in the flesh. That's who Jesus is. There's no stopping him. He is not going to be stopped by anything. He is powerful. Thirdly, faith in Jesus is the key to doing the impossible. I want us to hear what he says here. Okay, Matthew 17. This is kind of shaking. All right. But listen to what the disciples, they come to Jesus and they're like, why couldn't we cast out the demon? Why couldn't we fix this problem? And Jesus says, it's because of your little faith. Then he says, for truly, I say to you, if you had, if you even had the faith of a mustard seed. Hear, hear what he's saying. You don't even have the faith of a mustard seed. Because if you did, you could say to that mountain, move from here to there and it would move. Because what? What's the last statement? Nothing will be impossible for you. So faith in Jesus is the secret. It's the key to doing the impossible. Now, it's not the only key. All right? It has to be the impossible that's according to his will. You can't just will something to be because you have great faith. It has to be what he wants to have happen. It has to be in his will. You can't just, you know, I, I can't just will myself to have a cherry red Corvette outside. Right? That's probably not his will for me. So just because that's impossible doesn't mean because I have faith I can have it as soon as we walk out the door. That's not the case. It has to be according to his will. That's the qualifier he gives us in John over and over and over again. If you pray anything according to my will, it will be yours. Faith in Jesus is the key to doing the impossible. But let's not minimize what he's saying here. What he's saying here is you can do incredible things through my power. But if you don't access my power, you're out. Like you, it will be impossible for you. I want you to uh, imagine something. Let's see if we can do this right here. Well, okay. This tree is pretty and well lit. But if it's not connected to its power source, it's got nothing, right? So it's all about connection. It's all about being connected to the power source. Now, if you connect to the power source, then things change. Let's see if we can plug this thing in. There we go. If you connect to the power... It'll transform your life and how you live. Things that were impossible for you will now be possible if you're connected to the power. And that's where I want us to zone in. So we're going to spend the next five minutes here with two problems. And these problems that Jesus gives us are connection problems. They're all about being connected 
Okay, two problems. Here's what he says. Matthew 17, look with me at the text. Okay, verse 17. This is what Jesus says we have a problem. Here's what he says. Oh, faithless and twisted generation. Oh, faithless and twisted generation. So he gives us two problems, all right? If your translation may say unbelieving and perverse. So I want to give you what each of these problems are. All right, faithless or unbelieving is a connection issue. It's connectedness to God. You're not connecting to God, so you're not believing. You're not connected to Jesus. You're not believing. You're not trusting in Him because you're not connected to Him. The second issue He gives us here is twisted and perverse. So, what Jesus is talking about here is you've gotten off track. All of a sudden, now the things of this world matter to you a whole lot more than they should. You, you not only have a disconnect issue with God, but you have a connect issue with the world. You are, oh, you are way too connected with the world. You, you're living in a twisted and perverted kind of a way. You're connected to worldly things. And these things are not necessarily bad things. They're not necessarily sinful things. But your, your over connection to those things is sinful. And it's robbing you. And so Jesus says, you've got a connection problem. Faithless and twisted. Faithless vertical connection is not good. And perversion, a perverted horizontal connection is not good. But he gives us two solutions to these problems. All right? And it's in verse 21. That's hopefully in the subtext. All right? It is in Mark chapter 9, if you wanted to look there. But right here in the bottom, the the verse that's omitted from Matthew 17, he says this kind only comes out by what? Prayer and fasting. Now get it. Here's, Here's what's wild about this, is that these two things resolve our connection problem. How do you get more connected to God than to pray? How are you more relationally connected to God than to talk to Him, than to have a conversation? If you feel disconnected with your spouse, how do you fix that? Intimate conversation, right? You sit down and go, hey, we need to talk. Like, you and I, we need to get together. We need to have a conversation. We need to, we need to talk. The same thing with God. When you feel a disconnect with the Father, you need to block out all the noise. You need to get on your knees and you need to talk to Him. And you need to talk and then you need to be quiet and listen. This is a connection issue vertically that that Jesus is saying you can resolve that problem, boys, if you just pray. Here's the radical thing about this. You know what he's saying to them? He's saying, "You you know why you're not able to cast out this demon? You didn't even pray. Like you tried to do something without even asking me. Well, no wonder you're not seeing the power because you're not connected You're not connected to the power source. I'm the power source, boys. Connect to me. Let's talk. You ask me to do some incredible things and I may shock you. Right? We have a connection issue and I'm telling you, Jesus says, pray. Now, this way we have an over-connection issue. We have a twisted and perverted aspect to life where we are overly connected to our world. You know, I got a new phone recently and I'm, I'm really thankful my old phone was, uh, was having issues. And um, so I got, I got a new phone for Christmas and I'm very thankful for it. But one of the things this new phone does is it tells me how much time I spend on it. 
Is anybody aware of that? You know, the, the screen time notifications. That's a shocker to me. Uh, I don't like how much I'm staring at it. I don't like myself. I see that little thing pops up and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You're lying. I hadn't looked at it that much. But you know what? I have a connection issue. I'm too connected to the things of this world. And so are you. And Jesus is saying to you, if you want to do the impossible, if you want to be faithful and not twisted, but straight on my path, you want to be faithful and on the path to do the impossible, empowered by me, connected to me and empowered by me, you've got to disconnect from the things of this world. And so he says to us, the solution to this connection issue is what? Fasting. There's something about depriving your body and your mind of of things in the world, even food, that will starve out your flesh and bring to life your spirit. There's something about starving your flesh and all the things that your body and your eyes and, and just your fleshly side wants and you starve those things, it heightens your senses. Do you know if you walk around with your eyes covered like this for just a few hours that your ears actually perform better? Because when you starve one of your senses, your others perk up. Did you know if you plug your ears, your eyes actually get sharper? Did you know that? The same thing happens spiritually when you block or you starve out your flesh, your spirit man comes to life. The Spirit of God in you says, you know what? This is my moment. And I'm telling you, church, if we want to see God do the impossible through us and in us, it's going to have to come from you personally starving out your fleshly side. You've got to starve out the sinful side. Hebrews 12 says it this way. Let us lay aside every weight. And the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. Jesus is our model. But what he did is he starved his flesh to pursue what God had for him. And he's our model, but we've got to do the same So I want to call us to a fast. I'm going to teach on this one more week. I'm going to explain a little bit of more detail next week about how you can do this. What are some detailed ways of you can be disciplined to a fast? But I want to tell you the benefits of it now. My my goal with today is to encourage you to take this journey. Because... We will never experience as a church what you don't experience as a person. And what you individually are committed to do for the Lord Jesus, that's what we'll experience collectively as a body of Christ. But if you're still holding on to the weights and holding on to the sins and put, your, put the backpack of all the clutter of connection to this world on and trying to run a race for the Lord, it's not going to benefit you and it won't benefit this body. And so what I want to say to us today, let's commit to lay aside the weights. Let's commit 
to a season of total zero in our sights. Let's focus in on the Lord Jesus Christ, on his word. Let's get on our faces and pray and say, God, I've never done this fasting thing before. I'm a novice at this. I don't know what in the world I'm doing. Everybody thinks I'm stupid for skipping lunch today. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm coming to you expecting you to talk to me. I want to I hear from you in a way I've never heard from you before. And Jesus, I need it. Because I've been trying to do supernatural things and failing at every turn. And Jesus wants to walk into your life and say, bring that boy to me. Bring that boy to me. I want to show you what I can do. If you'll, if you'll lay aside those weights and you'll press into me, I'll show you what I can do. Do you want to see God do incredible things? As we look to 2019, I want us to come to the end of it and go, how in the world did we do that? I don't ever want to be able to look back and go, yeah, yeah, we totally, we killed that. I want us to look back and go, oh my gosh. How in the world did this little bitty cluster of people in Aniston, Alabama accomplish that? How did we do it? Because we're connected to the power of Jesus Christ. And we're committed to Him receiving all the glory. That's how God will do it. Ephesians 3.20. It just comes to my mind. And here's what it says. Our God can do exceedingly, abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine. And to Him be glory forever and ever. Right? That's my goal with 2019 is to see God do more than we could ever ask and imagine. But you know what? Let's ask and let's imagine. And what that's going to take is for us to starve our flesh, to press into the Spirit of God and say, God, I... I'm giving you at least these 21 days. Focus me in. Help me hear from you. I commit to walk in bold obedience. And church, God will do incredible things. More than you could ever ask or imagine. Let's trust in Him for that.